You're listening to Breaching the Walls with Edwin Perez, the podcast that helps you learn, grow, and discover who you are for your tomorrow. Here you'll find dynamic interviews from leaders around the world, talks on theology, culture, justice, and much more. And now, here's your host, Edwin Perez. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Breaching the Walls. I am your host, Edwin Perez. Thank you for listening here today, wherever you are listening from. So today's topic of discussion is around Christian liberties. Now, what I want you to do is to deconstruct your mind of what you think you know what Christian liberties is. Because as soon as that word comes into play, we automatically assume that is that very thing we're thinking about. Either we're referring it to drinking, whether we're referring our Christian liberties to if a Christian should smoke, but it goes far above and beyond that. It's also how we vote. It's also, uh, does a person should have tattoos, right? Should they be Democratic or Republican? Whatever the case is, but it goes so much deeper into our own personal biases. It's about our freedom. It's about our justification in Christ. So today I just want to go over what that looks like and how a Christian should exercise their Christian liberties. Before I begin, I want to start off with a quote from the Protestant reformer Martin Luther. And this was during a time where, if you remember, he nailed his 95 theses to the uh, church door. And now the Church of Rome has called him into a meeting. This was around 1521. And now here's Martin Luther. He stands before the church because the church at that time was selling indulgences. They were trying to make a profit from poor people. And because he directly opposed the church's understanding of confession, right? And here's Martin Luther standing for righteousness. He says this, Unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason, and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves. Now listen to this phrase. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot and I will not recant. I want you to remember that phrase that Martin Luther utters. My conscience is captive to the word of God. So there's a phrase that was birthed from that Protestant movement called Sola Scriptura, and that what that basically means Scripture alone. And this is going to be our uh, important discussion on Christian liberties. John Calvin calls Christian liberties the appendix of justification because it is so closely related to it. It's a life that affirms justification. Now you're going to have two camps. You're going to have those that hold so tightly to the law that it becomes legalism on one camp and then on the other camp, uh, they basically are saying, well, it doesn't matter how you live because grace is the factor, right? But we have to, need to understand, and we're going to understand later what Paul says, is that if people violate their conscience, then they are sinning. And love needs to become the rule. So any liberty 
that we engage with, if it runs contrary to love, it's abuse. Abuse is to impose uh, their own rules and regulations in the body of Christ. And that's what we end up doing. We end up abusing the love that we've been shown, that we've been getting given, and imposing our rules and regulations on other people. And what this does is it damages the church. These extra biblical rules on the people of God that shouldn't be there in the first place. First Peter 2.16, Peter said, don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. So I want to give you a working definition of what Christian liberties is. And uh, to be honest, I looked at so many uh, commentaries and I tried to find a good working definition. So I really couldn't find one that encompassed everything that I want to talk to you today about. So here's my own definition of what Christian liberties is. Christian liberties is a matter of the heart, conscious, and our freedom from the power of sin and the legalism of the law. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12 that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And sometimes we have that understanding that you know we can't allow these things to dominate us, right? Because the reality is that tobacco, a tobacco plant is not inherently evil, right? Or or a grape is not evil in and of itself. So with that understanding, we need to remember that all created things are considered amoral. It's how we use them that leads to sin. That term amoral is an awareness of our moral standards, but a lack of concern for them while acting. So it's without moral quality. See, when God, so let's go back to the Garden of Eden. When God created, he created what? All things good. It was when Adam ate from the fruit that led to sin and eventually to death. But since the beginning of time, God created all things good. If we go even to fast forward a little bit to the book of Acts, the first general assembly in Acts 15, they said this, that there are Jews everywhere that we're going So it might be a good idea for the sake of evangelism not to eat the things that are in violation of the ceremonial law. By doing so, it may cut off your opportunity to communicate, but by not doing so, you may be able to minister to them. You see, Christian liberty is being delivered from a spiritual enslavement that carries legal guilt and a punitive curse to a situation of freedom in order to serve God with joy. So, what is the conscious? So, because when we talk about Christian liberties, we have to talk about what the conscious is and how does it interrelate to Christian liberty. 1 Corinthians 4.4, Paul is telling the church at Corinth, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So the conscience is this moral faculty 
within human beings that assesses what is good and what is bad. When we look at the Greek word for this, it's the invisible organ is what it means. It's the inner voice that carries out a specific task. But understand this, that the conscious may also be insensitive, right? Uh, it could it could be evil, Hebrews 10.22. It could be uh, seared, 1 Timothy 4.2. And your conscience can be defiled, Titus 1.15. Even in the believer, the conscience may be oversensitive rather than insensitive and is therefore called weak in 1 Corinthians 8.7. So the conscience that is cleansed in Christ is free from man-made traditions, but is not free from God's commands. So, I want to impose a question to you. Is the conscience always correct? No. The conscience is not the final ethical authority for human conduct because the conscience is capable of change. Right? How many of you ever uh, seen that old Disney cartoon, Pinocchio? Right? Uh, let, let, let your conscience be... Your guide, right? Remember that? Well, where did the conscious lead poor Pinocchio to? The mouth of a whale? <laughs> Here's a second question. Is the conscious always to be followed? It's a trick question, but yes. Only if it is regenerated, right? Because acting against conscious is sin. Romans 14, 23. So... A weak conscience becomes a spiritual liability to others and not a strength. A weak conscience becomes a spiritual liability to others and not a strength. A conscience without cruciformity results in casualties. A conscience without cruciformity. I'm, my eyes are fixed on the cross. I see my um, my total depravity at the cross. When I look at the cross, I see my need. It results in casualties. So there's another thing that we need to understand is that there's a comparison trap of work and Christian liberty. And we see that in Romans chapter 4 where uh, Abraham is justified by faith and not by works. So it is God who justifies us in Christ. It is God's work rather than ours which establishes the foundation and the environment of human freedom. You ever began a conversation by saying, what do you do for a living, right? That's the first thing when we interact with one another. Well, what do you do for a living? What's your job title? What's, what's this, you know? And the temptation for us is to see ourselves in light of the magnitude of our work. And what we end up doing there, folks, is we lock ourselves into a form of oppression in the world of work. So what we end up doing is we end up justifying ourselves to others in light of what we do instead of who we are. So we start in this uh, realm of comparison. But we need to understand that liberation is a gift of God through Jesus that is discovered at the moment of faith. Romans 4.3, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as what? As righteous. So our work must not be seen according to the rest of what society deems, but in the light of our freedom. 
So I want to give you four key principles for exercising Christian liberties. And our anchor text is really going to come out of Romans 14, verse 1 to chapter 15, verse 13. The first principle is this, that Christian liberty, it must never be paraded. Right? Whatever you believe about these things, <laughs> keep it between yourself and God. I want to give you the scripture first before I give you some expository on it. Romans 14, 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So in some cases, we tend to flaunt our freedom when others don't fully understand the breadth of it. So what do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you're having a meal with a couple of friends and there's a waiter that comes and he offers the table a drink or whatever the case, a glass of wine. Now, I'm there, right? I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I don't know what the other persons on the table are going through. I don't know if they suffer from alcoholism. I don't know if they have father wounds that deal with um, alcoholism. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. So instead of me indulging in my Christian liberties, I am not going to parade it. I'm Me personally, I'm just going to stand back. I'm not going to engage in anything like that. So let's not use our Christian liberties as a free pass to parade around, right? But we need to keep it between ourselves and God. So that's the first principle. The second principle is Christian liberty does not mean that you welcome fellow Christians only when you have sorted out their views. So what I mean by that, the sorting out the views, is that we put people into categories, well, if you believe this and you believe in this Christian liberty, I'm going to hang out with you. If you if you don't believe uh, in this Christian liberty, well, you know what? You're, you're you're not in my squad, right? You're you're not you're not uh you're not willing able to hang out with me. But he but see that's that's such a a false representation because God welcomes everyone in Christ. Romans fourteen one and three. God doesn't make the pattern of our conduct the determining factor for fellowship. So don't be quick to judge because Christ alone is that. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. The third principle, Christian liberty ought never to be used in such a way that you become a stumbling block to another Christian. I want to read Romans 14, 13. This, is one, uh, this principle is very important. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So going back to the illustration that I talked about with the waiter and the wine, um, you, know, you know, I'm not going to do that because it's going to become a stumbling block to someone else. So what I personally do, and this is just me, no one, please don't adopt this <laughs> this way, but I like to know the history of the person. What have you went through, right? Where's your spiritual walk at right now? Are you mature enough? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is show me in scripture and just, just tell me what does Christian freedom mean? What does it mean to be free in Christ? And when you understand that, 
And only when you understand that, then I believe that you can exercise your Christian liberties. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.13 says, Therefore, again, Paul is writing to this church at Corinth. If food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So Christians, can we just agree not to make our brothers stumble anymore by exercising our Christian liberties? Right and imposing our freedom on other people when they can't even understand their own freedom in Christ first. And the last principle, Christian liberty requires grasping the principle that will produce this true biblical balance. And I want to read from you from Romans 15, 1 to 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So look at that. Our Christian freedom is not so that we can please ourselves. The death of Christ and what he went through is not so that we can just flaunt our freedom. Right? We don't we don't have to we don't we don't please ourselves. And look at verse 2. Let each of us please what? His neighbor for his good to build him up. So our Christian freedom, our pleasures are not our own but They are for our neighbors. And that's a concept that we don't normally grasp because we want to indulge in our freedoms in such a way that I want to please myself in whatever it is I'm doing. But look at verse 3, what Paul writes. He says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So the doctrine of Christian liberty flows out of the doctrine of Christian freedom. So there is no question that Scripture must be the final determiner of these choices for the believer. But the problem of liberty arises when we impose these man-made rules and opinions beyond Scripture that try to take on the role of law. You see, in the Jews, it was the Mosaic law. And now in the Gentiles, we see there's this new covenant and this apostolic teaching. And there was a clash in the New Testament. And there is still a clash here today. I refer back to what Martin Luther said. He said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Let us be captivated by God's word. And that will lead to freedom in Christ. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Breaching the Walls with Edwin Perez. To learn more about how you can receive free resources and content, visit our website at breachingthewalls.org. Make sure to review this episode and share it on social media so others can find value as well. Till next time.